Have those Marvel blues while Black Widow's theatrical release date is consistently delayed? Well, turn that frown upside down because yet another MCU podcast is here to guide you through the MCU one movie at a time. That's right, Mike. Each episode, we break down one movie from the MCU and talk about its connections with the source material, comic books. Which means I get to learn so many fascinating things like about Alpha Flight. The Canadian Avengers. Who knew? And Moon Knight. A multiple personality superhero. Seriously? And then there's Man-Thing. Yeah, not really sure how to explain that one. Pretty sure no one can. Yet another MCU podcast, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Forgotten Cinema is getting romantic for our eighth season and just in time for Valentine's Day as we cover the 90s ensemble drama, Beautiful Girls. We'll then do a complete 180 as we dive into some spy films, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy and Spy Game. We'll find out why white men can't jump and whether you should shoot to kill while enjoying a Frankenweenie. Nope, that doesn't make any sense. You know what else doesn't make sense? This season will also feature our 100th episode of Forgotten Cinema. Feels like 100 years. Don't I know it. Forgotten Cinema. Never stop, never stopping. Yes, that's a hint. Part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Welcome to Two Player Bros. I'm Mike. Unfortunately, Dave is not with me today uh, due to certain precautions one must take nowadays due to certain things going on in the world. Uh, He's going to be spending the week away from me. So uh, he's fine. Just precautions. So we're going to do a solo episode. So I've gotten pretty used to him now, so I'm not too upset. Maybe just a little. Anyway, so first things first, I got a PlayStation 5. That's right. I finally got a PlayStation 5. It's a digital edition, but that's okay. I'm an all digital boy. I don't need no disc no more. Uh, I got it thanks to Killer Cam on Twitch. So shout out to him again. I know I've mentioned him earlier. He got me my Xbox Series X. You know, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have known Microsoft dropped. And then if it wasn't for his channel saying, you know, just because it says sold out, keep hitting the checkout button on that site, it'll go through. And it did. I would have given up if not for that. And then now, if it wasn't for his channel, I wouldn't have known about the direct drop that happened uh, today when I got it on Sony Direct. So keep checking. Keep checking Sony Direct. I think they're a great way to get in. They limit one per customer. If you can get onto their website, you get in a queue, which randomly places you kind of in a lottery and you wait in line till you can go buy a system. Today, when I went in, it was only digitals, but other times it's only disc. Sometimes it's both. So you take your chances. I know as we head into February, I'm sure they have more stock as I've read a bunch of articles about them trying to compile a bunch of stock and release it all at once to kind of stop scammers from having any point on getting a system because the market would just be saturated with them. So hopefully that will happen and everyone get their PS5s. So the thing I'm most excited about for my PS5 right now is Resident Evil Village or Resident Evil 8 has put out a demo called Resident Evil Maiden. And I think this is really cool. I'm really excited about this because anyone who has listened to our podcast before, especially our Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 3 episodes, know that I'm a huge Resident Evil fan. uh, And I loved what they did with Resident Evil 7. And even the remakes of Resident Evil 2 and a little bit in 3, even though it's a little more action-y, is bringing that fear back into the game. Maiden kind of takes place in a little demo. It's only exclusive to PlayStation. And you're a woman trapped in a 
prison in the mansion in the game and you have to escape. It's essentially a technical demo showcasing how well they've built the world, the graphics engine and stuff like that. It's an updated version of the RE engine that they've used on Resident Evil 2, uh, 3, and I believe Devil May Cry 5. It looks fantastic. I'm super excited to play it. I loved Resident Evil 7's demo, which actually did kind of make its way into the game. But I'm also excited for a demo that might not be in the game. And this is exclusive to PlayStation 5. In the spring, there'll be another demo for all systems, PC, Xbox, and PlayStation. I am unsure at this point if it's going to go to uh, streaming services like Stadia or Amazon's Luna. I don't know much about Luna at this point. And this demo comes hot on the heels of Capcom really showcasing a whole lot more about Resident Evil Village uh, from the Duke, I guess his name is. is He's the marketplace in the game, which I guess is a thing from Resident Evil 4. And it's essentially an inventory shop where he'll open up his doors and he's a huge, huge, very large uh, man and kind of funny and fat guy in a little suit and he sells you wares out of his wagon and i guess every time you visit him he's doing another fun little thing but he's really grotesque he's fun he's kind of funny in a gross resident evil kind of way there's a lot more footage taking place in the castle or the chateau or whatever it is that's in the village which i guess will be a major place where you are fighting essentially vampires the family name is the dimitriscu uh, I guess I will. I'm I'm reading it now off the internet, so I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce it right off the tip of my tongue. But as the game goes on, I'm sure I will. And these vampires seem to be, they seem to feast on blood. They're pretty grotesque. Uh, got blood all over them. Very hoity-toity look to them. Uh, the main lady domestico or whatever <laughs> is uh, dressed in a very white kind of fancy 1930s getup. And... What's weird is they they teleport by turning into bugs or locusts instead of bats, which I think is really interesting and really bizarre and kind of more fantasy-like than we've seen in Resident Evil. And I know in Resident Evil we've seen like tyrants and giant snake lizards and all these different mutants and mutated beings. But this is the first one where it really seems like something out of a fairy tale. But as we've seen from uh, the trailers and the teaser trailers, there's also looks like there's going to be a werewolf. So this could be the umbrella company really trying to make creatures based on our nightmares or something, which I am perfectly okay with. Uh, Before Resident Evil seven connected uh, at the very end with the rest of the franchise and umbrella, I was kind of still all in on the storyline and the fear and the atmosphere and just the awfulness of the, you know, the redneck in the wood characters that Ethan Winters was dealing with. So although I'm very curious to see how it's going to connect to the franchise as a whole, since they've now revealed that Resident Evil 7's universe is the main Resident Evil universe. I'm still kind of I'm okay with going the more fantasy route because I trust what they're doing with the franchise right now. Uh, you know, Resident Evil Two is amazing, probably the best remake of all time. Resident Evil Seven was fantastic, 
And Resident Evil 3, while it was a bit on the short side, it may be a little too easy. I think that it still fits within the Resident Evil genre of like the repeated gameplay attempts. And it was a good time and it was fantastic as well. Uh, Really well made. So Resident Evil Maiden, you can get right now on the PlayStation Store on PlayStation 5. And in a couple months, sometime this spring, there'll be a demo for all systems, which will probably be something more in line of what we saw with the original Resident Evil 7, where it's actually something from the game. And then from their latest announcement, Capcom has said May 7th, 2021 is going to be the release date of the game on PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X, PC, and also PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. So if you have any of those systems, you can play the newest Resident Evil on May 5th if it doesn't get delayed, as we've seen many games get last-minute delays. So one of those games that had a more or less uh, a recent delay into April is Outriders. Now, I know we've talked about Outriders on the podcast before on things that, you know, let's do what Dave has said about things he wants to see come out a game he's excited about it because he's really into the developer of outriders people can fly and likes what they've done i really i'm kind of excited about it based on reading it but i hadn't seen any gameplay until recently and realized that developers been putting out uh developer diaries and really telling you about the classes and all that and just recently watched what was released today about the end game content and the end game content actually made me excited for this game more than i've been before the end game content looks to essentially give you a whole nother game. So when you beat the 40 hour campaign in Outriders, you go into this end game content, which is essentially going to be levels where you need to really play with making your skill based characters, changing their skills, modifying your weapons, upgrading your weapons, upgrading your armor, modifying your armor, and really making your guy the best hunter or whatever they are, or Outrider that you can. and. It's really the first time I've seen footage of this game in action. It really reminds me of Destiny, The Division, Mass Effect 3's multiplayer, and a little bit of Anthem in terms of its its world, not necessarily its gameplay. Although Anthem, of course, had similar gameplay-ish to like a, a Mass Effect or Division 2 type and Destiny. So it gave me huge destiny vibes every time they went into the menu screen and showed off their character their armor screen you know upgrading all of that looks very familiar if you played destiny if you played those kind of games you know exactly how the game works from upgrading your gear finding you know uncommon common loot rare loot legendary loot upgrading your weapons switching out mods into your weapons to make them the best uh, type like fire ice all that upgrading your armor, customizing your guy, it all looks very similar with the same kind of top-down, drop-down map where you choose your mission and you go in, drop in and out, co-op, I guess. But it's just the way that the game is stylized. You know, it's, it's you've seen it before, but this looks to be very, very quick. It's got that fantasy sci-fi element, but it's a little more dirty and grungy and adult and gory than we've seen in the past with like Anthem and you know even Mass Effect and Destiny this is really like those games 
meets Diablo in a little bit of a way in terms of the aesthetic. And I really dig it. I really love co-op shooters like that. I've always a Mass Effect 3 co-op. I've always said it's one of my favorite multiplayer modes of all time. I really enjoy that type of gameplay. And it's got, you know, moves that you need cooldown for. Uh, at the same time as all these different weapons and melee attacks and making sure that you spec your character the right way. But what's cool is you can respec it whenever you want, which they announced in this developer diary, which I really like in a game. I hate in a game where I, I'm a terrible decision maker when making a character. It's tough for me to decide, is this perk going to be better or is that perk going to be better? Especially when they throw a lot of numbers at me. So I like the fact that if I make a mistake or I want to try something out again, I don't have to spend way too much money or credits or whatever to redo my guy or have to make a second guy i can just go now let me reset it do whatever i want with it and then change a little thing here or there to see how that affects my balance of my character or how it does against another enemy or co-op type character that really works well with other players and they didn't announce it but hopefully you can save some different loadouts that you do in terms of your skill tree the weapons all look really good. The look of the game, it just really works for me. And I'm really excited about it now than I was before. So I'm definitely putting this game high on my list on games I'm excited for. So Outriders got delayed into April, comes out April 1st. Hopefully they stick to this date. They were so close to releasing uh, December and then February, and now it's April 1st. So hopefully they do. It looks like there might still be a demo coming out in February, which we can all check out. But if you haven't seen footage of this game, go ahead and check it out. It looks fantastic. And Dave was right to be excited. And I think you guys should all be excited as well. And that's another game that's available on Xbox, PlayStation, PC, uh, including Series X and PlayStation 5. Although I don't know if there's going to be any kind of special anything on the uh, newer systems in terms of graphics or anything. I'm sure the frame rate will be increased. Last episode, we mentioned Biomutant and how excited I am that it's finally got a released announced time of like the first trimester of 2021. And it was a weird release date time that they mentioned uh, and how excited I've been over the years and been waiting for this game, but also very nervous about this game because you'd go so long without hearing anything. And then they'd say, oh no, we're still working on it. And then they showed something and then they go silent again. I guess the game finally has a release date and it is May 25th. I'm very excited to try this game or to see what people think about the game. Maybe the early reviewers, because I'm still a little nervous about a game that seemed like it was going to be so hyped up and so great. And, you know, there's a super expensive collector's edition coming out and it's made by some huge industry uh, veterans, even though this is the studio's first game. I really don't know what to think of this game. It looks really cool. I really dig the style. I really, really dig this animal world that you live in. And the fact that you're this red panda fox raccoon guy that you're upgrading. And the hack and slash work of it and the weird vehicles. It looks super bizarre and super unique. But because of the long production time, its ideas could be muddled to this point where it's maybe not the greatest game or it took too long to come out. You know, sometimes you can take too, you can spend too much time in the kitchen cooking, if you know what I mean. So hopefully it's good. I guess we'll find out May 25th. Seems like hopefully this is going to be a solid release date because again, they've been working on it 
for years and years now since the announcement, which means they've been working on it even longer than that announcement. So check that out. That's also going to be available on all systems. Uh, and it is unknown if there's any kind of special upgrade when you have it on Series X or PlayStation 5. So that's it with game previews. The next thing I want to talk about is is really cool device that I think probably doesn't do much now, but it's probably going to paint the way for a crazy change in how we not only play games, but just operate computers in general. And that is a device called Galea or Galea. And it is from OpenBCI and Valve, I think, partnered up with it. Um, BCI stands for Brain Computer Interface, and OpenBCI is a company that makes open source programs that let you kind of work with brain computer interfaces, basically anything you put on your head or implant into your body and then control computers, or they scan your brain and are able to interpret your impulses for controls or how you're feeling. So the Galea is a new hardware device that's designed to work with both AR and VR headsets. And it's got multiple sensors. It's got EEG, it's got EOG, EMG, EDA, and PPG, which I'm not going to try to pronounce or tell you what any of these really do, other than they measure your brain waves. And they take data measurement from your brain, your eyes, your heart, your skin, and your muscles. So Galea can tell when you're feeling sad or angry or happy or bored or scared or anything like that. And it can tailor, potentially tailor video games or experiences to the player Uh, in terms of anxiety and stuff like that. It might be able to help people with therapeutic things to, to lower their anxiety and stuff like that, which is really cool. It might be able to influence your sleep at some point. I mean, this is really cool and will enable people to basically also control human consciousness will control technology uh it's similar to elon musk's you know brain chip he wants to implant in there this is kind of the way that this kind of stuff is is moving and i know that gabe newell the head honcho at valve basically is big on on studying all this this is kind of what he's putting all his time into and he thinks that if you're a game developer or you're a big game company like valve is and you aren't then you're making a mistake And much like how VR is kind of being put aside as, okay, okay. These kind of experiences will probably be the new normal soon. And I think it's really cool that we're going to see games that really react to us, that can really communicate with us, especially in times like these where, you know, you don't want to go outside and you have people who, who don't do well communicating with people. It might help them out. And people that are handicapped in some way, people that have ambulatory issues, can put this on and be able to control video games and play video games. And, you know, if you're stuck inside your own body, you can use that body to do something now with this device. And, you know, it gives them a level of play, uh, like an evening of a playing field that I think is really, really neat as well. And there's all the ideas that can come of it. You know, you're playing a game and you find a little bit boring all of a sudden, you know, this is the simplest example. Playing a game, you get a little bit bored, it's too easy. All of a sudden, the game realizes that throws 17 extra bad guys your way in a wave or, oh, I'm not scared of this. I'm not scared of this. Boom. Oh, well, we've noticed you've been pretty scared of these scenes or these type of scenes in a horror VR game. Or, hey, we know you like this. This is exciting to you. Or you think this is interesting or attractive or this or that. The game can tailor that to you. You know, you can be in VR and look at 
something and have something happen because it, the device will be able to interpret your brain waves. Now, this is obviously what it can potentially do. What it can actually do is all kind of up in the air. They are developing it. It's being made. I'm sure they've tested it on a few simple things. Uh, it is supposed to be able to test your emotions and stuff like that. But this is still, even though it's open source, the program and stuff like that, the device itself will be prohibitively expensive to actual buyers. It's going to be meant to go on to developers, scientists, universities, stuff like that at first, which a lot of this technology always does. At CES, I had watched a video of this awesome VR glove that's going to, you know, have tensile strength and be able to stop your fingers and make it seem like you're picking up objects and all this kind of stuff and stop you from ever needing real controllers again. And I thought that was awesome. And then they said it costs like $10,000 for the gloves and they're only being sent to researchers and stuff like that, which is fine because the fact that it's being made means that eventually it'll be in our hands. And the fact that this kind of mind controlling technology for computers is coming and it's coming fast. And I think that's really awesome. And I can't wait to, to try it out. You know, I, I'm a big fan of, of new technologies and I think that's going to be something that's really going to blow me away in the way that like VR did. Uh, when I first put on a VR helmet, I was like, which I'm sure a lot of you listening, if you haven't played VR, you still probably don't get when people are really excited about VR or why people tout it. And the games are kind of simple. And this is a simple explanation. It's freaking awesome. As soon as you put that VR helmet in, you are in another world. It doesn't matter if the graphics are a little bit less than what you see on, you know, your Xbox or PlayStation or even your PC when you play it without the headset because they're, you know, putting two different images onto it a headset instead of one and they play at, you know, 90 to 120 frames for your eyes. It doesn't matter. You're in there. You're immersed. You're completely in that environment. And the fact that you have to move and you're in the game is such an incredible experience that you can't duplicate and you can't show people by just watching a screen and being like, yo, here's my VR gameplay of Beat Saber or Arizona Sunshine. You have to actually sit somebody down and show them VR. But I think that's going to be kind of like this, like it's all right. So you looked at a shape and then the computer did something. But when you're actually sitting there, I'm sure, and your brain makes a computer do whatever it wants without moving your hands or feet or anything to make it happen, that's pretty cool. So I'm definitely going to keep an eye on Galea and any other, uh, BCI type device, brain control interface device, and, you know, kind of talk about it. We'll see what Dave thinks about it next time one of these devices come up. But I think that's pretty cool, and I can't wait to see in the next couple of years what comes of it. Last but not least, as we said last episode, we'll talk a little bit about Hitman 3. It won't be a full kind of review, and I don't know if we'll do a post game or maybe I'll just bring it up again on the episode when I finish it and play the rest of the game. But I've just recently purchased it, so I've only been able to beat the first mission and dabble around with the second. But Hitman 3, I will say right off the bat, is probably the first next-gen game I have played. And what I mean by that is it is the first next-gen game that I've downloaded, that I've purchased, that I believe have come, has come out while I've had a new system. 
at least any kind of major AAA game. And it is the first AAA game that has taken advantage of ray tracing and the high frame rate and the extra graphic power to really do something that impressed me. And I know I upgraded Watch Dogs Legion and I really wasn't impressed. Ray tracing was cool, but it was still a, a stuttery, jaggy mess where cars would pop in and out, you know, just a few hundred yards away. Hitman 3 is gorgeous. I started the game in an air duct and I was blown away by the air duct. Just the smoothness of the graphics. The fact that all the lighting in the air ducts really lit up the pipes individually. The fact that there were drips of water coming down from these pipes that made a pool on the bottom of the metal. And I could see an electrical panel up ahead that was reflected in the pool. And knowing that it was ray tracing, know that it was just an image that was copied and mirrored on the bottom of this pool of water in game. It was actually the light scattering correctly on a watery surface to make a true reflection and mirrors would create a true mirrored image of you. It was mind blowing. And the fact that the light hit your clothes at the right angle and looked completely realistic and the light on your helmet as you sky dove in, it was just really, really impressive. Everything about the first mission in Dubai and Hitman three was great. Now, if you haven't played a Hitman game before and you're expecting your Hitman to move smooth and to be more like a shooter, then you're going to be completely disappointed. That is not what Hitman is ever controlled like. But if you played the other games and wished he moved a little less robotic, good news, this is probably the best he's moved and controlled in any of the games. He's much more fluid. He's much more realistic, even though it is kind of like pushing a puppet around. Which, if you played Hitman, you should be fine with by now after like 10 games of it over the like last 20 years. But it's still really impressive to see him move and be more fluid. And the effects on him are very good in terms of clothing effects for all the pieces of clothes he wears. They billow correctly. They fold in on themselves they move in the wind and with your movements his jacket flaps open and his tie moves around he himself as the character model looks a lot more detailed than he has in the previous even the previous game hitman 2 and i think that's just more of a matter of art than necessarily the new power behind the new systems the background of dubai looks amazing with clouds although they're just art, artist drawn the amount of detail that's on every piece of wall in here. This is an inorn a very ornate 180 floor skyscraper built for a chic. And you're at this huge rich party where there are there's gold etchings on the wall, there's marbled floors, the bathrooms have these ornate sinks and fancy toilets, and everything is beautifully rendered and reflective. And really immersive, the amount of characters on the screen, as always in Hitman, is really nice. But they all seemed very unique in this game. They all seemed to have different personalities uh, and different faces. You know, as you move slowly through the crowds, it actually did seem pretty cool. And they were all pretty well detailed. They're not like generic models. They're actually look maybe not quite as detailed as... Agent 47 himself or some of his targets. 
you know, you're not going to spend that kind of detail on the 157 different extras that you throw around the game all the time, but they do look very well detailed and they do look like they belong there. They don't look out of place. The shooting itself in the game has been improved. Not that you should shoot in this game. I don't recommend it, but if you are going to go nuts killing people, or if you blew your mission and you want to reload, but first you want to go out in a place of glory, then it does feel better than other hitmen, but it is not a third-person shooter game. So if that's what you're expecting, you will be disappointed. The first level I played took me 45 minutes. I kind of went through the story missions. If you're used to Hitman 2, it plays pretty much exactly the same. You're given your targets, an entry point. If you do the level more and more, you unlock new entry points, depending on your score, uh, new places you can hide items, new items you can bring with you, new suits you can bring into the game. Took me 45 minutes. I followed one of the story paths. There are two more story paths to follow, not to mention dozens and dozens of ways to kill these guys and get awards for it. So the replayability is there. I've watched uh, videos where they've beaten the first level in eight minutes or under eight minutes because that's how quick they were able to figure out and take out the bad guys and escape. And kudos to them. I followed the story mission. It was still pretty cool. And it was one of the most satisfying hitman murders because you lock them in a room and basically the TV tells these guys you're about to die and you're standing behind them with the gun ready to shoot after they watch the video. I thought that was pretty cool. The first level is really neat. The next level is in a mansion. Uh, you can actually become a private investigator to solve a murder in there. It, it's really, really cool. If you didn't get the story from the first two hitmans, they kind of catch you up real quick. In terms of the other two Hitmen, one of the most impressive things about Hitman 2 was its connection to Hitman, being able to bring your progress over into the next game and essentially have them become one much longer game. That's back in Hitman 3, but there's a little bit of a caveat. I guess if you don't connect your your older Hitman games progress at the very start of Hitman 3, you'll lose your Hitman 3 progress that you have already started. So if you want, oh man, I forgot I do have Hitman 2, let me upload my progress you'll lose your hitman 3 progress which i think is a little odd you also don't get to carry over your hitman 2 saves which i think is odd although your saves will still be in hitman 2 if you only boot up hitman 2 but seeing as how it's the same game and i think maybe the graphics might be a little boosted i could be wrong about that i don't see why you would go back to hitman 2 instead of playing it directly from hitman 3 uh, if you have not purchased those games before you can within hitman 3 and have the whole line of games there I do think it's really cool that the game allows you to kind of connect this franchise, all three games and play them together in one space. I think that's really neat. I I'm going to, for the next one, I do my next bigger review on the game. I'll go back and see if there are any improvements to those two games. I mean, obviously uh, playing the series X, there will be a frame rate improvement, but in terms of movement and the kind of mechanics that are available now to me. So Hitman 3 so far, if you like the Hitman games, it's phenomenal. If you're not into the Hitman games, this isn't going to do anything for you, but it is certainly the first showcase that I have of my system being worth it. Granted, my PlayStation 5 hasn't come yet. I know Miles Morales has ray tracing and works pretty well. Um, but this is the first kind of game on Xbox that I've played or even out of like games that work on both systems, cross games, I guess, cross play games, cross console games <laughs> that, that really showcases what ray tracing at a fast frame rate and just more teraflops. I know that's a big buzzword 
can do. It's it's a really, really technically impressive first level that really made me think, oh, wow, geez, that looks cool, which I think these two systems uh, were severely lacking, despite the fact that ray tracing can make a game look phenomenal. I think that, and it's partly maybe due to the pandemic, uh, I think that there's a very weak launch for both systems in terms of games that really push the envelope. But next week, I should be talking about Medium a little bit, uh, which is coming out when I'm recording this. It's coming out in a few hours. It might actually already be available to play. Uh, Medium is an Xbox Series X exclusive game, even though Microsoft said they weren't going to do that. It probably just pertains to their own Microsoft Studio games. This is a game on Game, game Pass Day 1. I've pre-downloaded it. It is only available for the newer systems because the older systems can't handle the type of game it is. So I'm hoping to jump into that and be even more blown away. Uh, But we'll see next week what my reactions are for that. So that's really all I have for you this week. I know Dave was playing a game on Nintendo he wants to talk about, which is cool because it has been a minute since we talked about Nintendo. Um, And I know we will be talking, maybe not in the next episode, but within the next month, we'll be talking about the new Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury. I'm sure Dave and I will get way into that because that is probably one of our favorite multiplayer games of all time. And I know it's one of our favorite Mario games of all time. Me and Dave had a blast playing the first one. And I'm sure we'll be having a blast replaying this years later as well as the new levels. And I've got my PlayStation 5, so I'll give my impressions of the system as a whole. Maybe not the games because it has been a while. They have been out for a while, most of them. But I will give my impressions of that. Maybe I'll tell you guys about what I thought of the Resident Evil Maiden demo. So that's all I've got for you guys today. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Butler. This has been Two Player Bros. Stay safe and keep on gaming. <laughs>